Welcome to Disney Versus, the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Grace. I'm Tori, and this is episode one of our Disney Versus bracket in our round of 64. With us, as always, is our producer, Heather. Say hi, Heather. Hey. This week's matchups are The Lion King versus Bolt, Zootopia versus Pocahontas, Big Hero 6 versus Dinosaur, and The Aristocats versus The Hunchback of Notre Dame. You can see a breakdown of the bracket and all future matchups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Disney Versus. You can also follow us on Twitter at Disney Versus. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. This is episode one. Whoop, whoop. I'm really excited. Which one are you most excited about, uh, Grace? Uh, Zootopia versus Pocahontas, I think. I was, I think... Of these, I was most excited. I haven't rewatched Lion King yet because I feel like it's gonna beat Bolt in my heart of hearts. So I'll watch it at a later point. But I think I was most excited to rewatch Hunchback of Notre Dame. I love Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't even know why. I mean, I probably know why, but it's got all the good songs. They're all dark and. It's dark Disney, and Disney doesn't really go dark anymore, so it's like nostalgic dark Disney. That's yeah. what it is. That's exactly good. Good, good call. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's hop right into our first pair. Give them a summary on The Lion King, for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> um, so Simba leaves his homeland when his uncle frames him for killing his father. Boo. And is raised by Timon and Pumbaa, who are kind of hippie animals. And then he's brought back to the Pride Land when his childhood lover comes and tells him that everything's gone to shit. Okay, so what about Bolt? Bolt is about a dog who is a uh, TV star, a la Lassie. Kind of like a cross between Lassie and Superman. He is accidentally released from actually he accidentally escapes from his uh the set where they shoot the show and he ends up in new york and the movie is about him his journey from new york all the way back to la to reunite with his human and along the way he discovers that he is a he is not a superhero and he doesn't have any powers he is actually a regular dog and he actually learns how to be a dog along the way I just thought of like a parallel. That just sounds, I mean, that just sounds like, like child stars, you know, if they grow up doing like Disney kids or something, you know, they grow up doing TV shows and stuff. And so they don't like experience normal, like public high school or public middle school, which is brutal. Um, or most of them don't experience college and stuff like that too. Cause I just keep going into acting. Like that's, that's just what that reminded me of just now. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Although Penny, Penny the girl in Bolt seems like fairly well adjusted, but I think that's in contrast to her terrible, awful agent who is meant to be the, I don't know, LA stereotype. I've got to be honest, I, um, I didn't watch Bolt in one setting. I watched it over two nights, I think. And um, I don't know, I thought, I thought it was an interesting twist that Bolt had no idea that he was an actor. Um, and that he really believed that every push was superpowers and that he had laser eyes and stuff. Like, that's an interesting idea. I thought his actual traversing the country story wasn't all that original. It was cute. It was fine. But it didn't, it didn't wow me. It's not all that original. All these movies that I watched for this episode, I had to write down traveling montage in like five of them. So I feel yeah. like that's the niche thing for you have to travel. You have to have a montage for some. Yeah. It's the thing now with a uh, bolt. What Heather said, I think it's ironic because Penny is voiced by Miley Cyrus. So it's yeah. super it's ironic. That. Yeah, it is. <laughs> for me, I like the idea maybe because the idea is almost exactly what happened in toy story. Cause if you think about it, Buzz was like, I'm a space ranger. I have, I can fly. Yeah. I have laser vision. Mm-hmm. Or I have the laser arm thingy. And <laughs> Woody's like, no, you're a toy. And then he has this realization that he, you know, none of his, when he jumps off of uh, Sid's 
you know, the stairs, he realizes, hey, I'm a toy and my arm's missing. And now, and then then Bolt, all this stuff happens to Bolt. Like, he tries to, you know, headbutt a car and nothing happens. He tries to knock out a human, nothing happens. He tries to melt something with laser vision and nothing happens. So he goes through the same, you know, kind of midlife, earth-shattering realization that Buzz does. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the only thing that I appreciated about it. And it sucks because another movie did it already. Yeah, I... Meh. The Lion King is great. It's it's hard not to rave about it. Um, and I know we'll get more opportunity to talk about it. Tori and I both ranked this as our number one pick. Heather did not. But as we discussed in episode zero, Heather kind of did her own wonky weird rating system <laughs> she loves um, the lion king though don't i do. yeah don't she, she's not hating tyler also did his ranks and like me he hasn't seen quite a few and so the last 20 or 30 for his are kind of a wash i think he feels pretty strongly about the first 20 or so movies and he did rank lion king as number one have y'all seen the lion king extended edition mm-mm with uh the morning report yes the morning report song (laughs) i've seen it once i saw it once but i didn't know i was watching it and so then i was just really confused like what is this where did this bullshit come from what Mm -hmm. this isn't what this wasn't in this movie (laughs) it's like when you're watching beauty and the beast and then suddenly human again happens wait a minute i'm taking it out of the movie for just a bit i like the lion i love the lion king so much I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Have you, either of you, listened to or seen the musical The Lion King? I've seen the musical, yeah. I've I've heard some of it. If but... you've, if you listen to the songs in the musical, they take the, the, cue, the musical cues from The Lion King movie and use that as songs. And whenever I listen to, and whenever I watch The Lion King now, I think of those songs and it mm-hmm. reinforms me of what's going on in that scene. Like when Simba is when grown Simba is in the the pasture or whatever and he's all moping about his dad, that song is him singing to it it's him singing to his father about, you know, where you at? You were supposed to mm-hmm. be helping me and stuff. <laughs> And I, I can't think about the music in any other way now. And it makes me see the movie in, with different colors, I guess. I'm going to have to to listen to that. I am, I'm a big fan of the soundtrack. I'm excited to watch it again. As I've been going through these movies, there are some movies that I'm really familiar with, like The Hunchback of Notre Dame or like Lion King or like Beauty and the Beast. And I fully expect that I'll watch them more than once during the duration of our podcast and so like for Beauty and the Beast I put on Beauty and the Beast in the background while I was playing a board game and I'm singing along the whole time and like noticing and paying more attention to specific things than I normally would but I'll I, I'm really excited to sit down and dedicate all the time that Lion King really deserves because it's such a good movie I, one of the reasons I love it so much is I'm a huge Disney villain fan, and I think Scar's a great villain. He is certainly a contender for the best. For those of you who can't see an auditor in an audio media podcast, I just held up a bobblehead I have of Scar. He's watching me in the studio right now. He approves of everything that we're talking about right now. He's telling you to be prepared, bro. Yeah. Be prepared. Um, for what? <laughs> so yeah, I, I think he's. I think his song is definitely a contender for best Disney villain song. I love Mufasa. Let's talk about Mufasa for Mufasa, a second. Mufasa, he's probably, Mufasa. he's probably the best dad in Disney history and in like movie history. Even though he he dies like <laughs> twenty minutes into the movie, you see so many different shades of fatherdom. And Mufasa in his yeah, twenty minutes of screen time. I'll I'll agree to that a little bit because it is a short amount of time, so you do get to see him kind of playful when he's teaching him to pounce. You do get to see him being serious and protective, but I think at the same time we get this small snapshot of like two days 
with Mufasa. Um, there's not all that much time. And so I think it's like a great, he's a great standard, but as we get into some more fathers in, in our series, I think we'll find some characters may have a little more depth. And I, it's not that I think Mufasa doesn't have that depth, but I don't think it's demonstrated because we just don't get him for that much time because he dies. I feel like he does the most with the least, though. Back to Bolt briefly. I kind of like my favorite character in in Bolt was Rhino the hamster. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of cliche because he kind of he has all the best lines. Period. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, he really does. But he's like he's Bolt's fanboy. He's he's Bolt's fanboy the whole time. It's like if you saw Bolt at like a comic con or something walking around, Rhino is the one who would lose his shit the hardest. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Poe. It crossed between Poe from Kung Fu Panda and Olaf from uh, Frozen. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a good... He's the most aloof, <laughs> and he's he has no idea what's going on, but he's so gung-ho for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as far as comparing the two, as villains go, we've got Scar, who's fantastic, and then we've got the Green-Eyed Band, who's not really a an established villain he's just kind of vague i wouldn't really say that bolt has a villain in the show the green-eyed man is the villain but yeah throughout the whole movie like as far as the plot goes mm-hmm. bolt is just faced with a series of obstacles that he has to get through to get home it's like homeward bound yes it is like homeward bound so what do you think of the two movies kind of, I don't want to say coming of age, but their growth process between Sim and Bolt? Do you think one is more worthy than the other? Or? I feel like they're both, they're both kind of going in other directions. Simba is kind of accept, his is about kind of they're accepting the responsibility that's been, you know, his since birth. And then Bolt is kind of him finding out who he's supposed to be. Like in the, he goes from thinking he's a superhero to him actually being a dog like you see at the end of the movie they end up in some farm in texas that's my headcanon they end up in texas on some farm (laughs) great (laughs) like the cat that helps them throughout the whole thing penny the mom who is the best we have to talk talk about her mom and rhino they're all just you know a family of animals just you know and bolts doing the dog thing he's not a he's not an actor anymore he's just a dog now her mom is is good because she's really in the beginning you can't quite tell if she's just trying to be supportive of whatever her daughter wants or if she's just being really passive but i think as we see her throughout the movie it's clear that she's just trying to support penny in whatever way she needs and and when it comes to sticking up to her uh the agent in the end she really comes through and and she's all about welcoming bolts into the family or rather welcoming him back yeah because we we didn't talk about at the the very the opening scene of the movie is you know penny buying bolt because so bolt is penny's dog i think yeah. and you know he just happens to work on the show too but he couldn't come home wait she bought him initially i thought that was part of the tv show maybe it was part of the tv <laughs> show i think it's part of the tv show because she asks if she can take him home and the agent's like no because of legal reasons or because of we've obviously watched these very recently (laughs) now that i think about it i think it was i think it was part of the show now now that i think about it i feel dumb. i think it was too let's talk about the music because i was surprised at how good of a score bolt has of course lion king score was done by hans zimmer and the songs were done by Elton John. Bolt's score was done by John Powell, who's done How to Train Your Dragon. Ooh. And I believe he did X-Men 2. So he kind of has animated and superhero movies under his belt. So, yeah, what would you think of the score? Um, I liked it, but honestly, I didn't. it wasn't noteworthy enough for me to take notes on. But I was a fan of it. Uh, To give a little background to our listeners, Tori and I both have music degrees. That's something that both of us are probably more inclined to notice than some other aspects of the films we're reviewing. 
you were talking about John Powell. Uh, he did Road to El Dorado, Chicken Run, Shrek, Born Identity, Drumline. <laughs> Ice Age, X Men: Last Stand. I was close. So he has, you know, he has a pedigree. He's not Hans Zimmer, who's done everything. No. Yeah. I and talking about Hans Zimmer, so I and I think Tori and I and I have had this debate that Hans Zimmer has a history of repeating his music of recycling some of his music yeah it's sad and i and i think lion king is a good original basis right i don't hear much of lion king repeated in anything else so trying to declare a clear winner here even though many of you listening probably know who we're about to choose looking at the lion king i think the lion king has better music better plot better side characters because many people will take Timon, Pumbaa, and Nala over Penny, Mittens, and Rhino. I would, I yeah, like I would have to watch them again. I think um, I think as we go through in our next bracket, I'll be watching the movies back to back to give a clearer comparison between the two. And this time I just kind of watched them in whatever order i felt like watching mm-hmm. and this voice cast for lion king is just oh, so all-star and i mean you have miley cyrus and john travolta leading bolt so that's a no-brainer here so i think we're gonna go ahead and call it the winner for this match is the lion king over bolt definitely so for our second matchup we have zootopia versus pocahontas this is the one you're most excited about, right? Yes. I loved Zootopia. I saw it four times. Oh my gosh. I just saw it last week. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was really good. So Zootopia is about a country bunny who moves to the big city to be a cop and partners up with a fox who is a con man. And they solve this kind of mystery of this disease that's taking over the city. Pocahontas is about the story of real-life Native American princess who befriends the colonists, namely John Smith, and the conflict that comes from their meeting and the colonists' overall mission. Both of these movies are really good, so we may talk about this longer than we talked about The Lion King and Bolt. So I, I want to start off with animation. I put this on the TV. Most of these I've been watching on my laptop. We put uh, Pocahontas on the TV, and um, holy crap, it's beautiful. It's got this beautiful watercolor characteristics. Uh, it, Yeah, it's gorgeous, and I think it's ahead of its time. Um, Zootopia was great, especially the hair detail work. I think... On the fur? Yeah, on the fur. Like, I mean, when Tangled came out, I think that's when they really started perfecting that kind of, those textures. So I thought that was really cool, too. Fun fact, you bring up animation. The Lion King and Pocahontas were actually in production at the same time. Around the same time. The B-team at Disney was actually put on The Lion King. Because everybody (laughs) thought that Pocahontas was going to be the bigger hit. As time has shown us, we see how that ended up. Pocahontas does look fantastic because it had all the... I think because all the A-team animators were working on that one. And I agree with you as far as the, the fur physics go and the look of Zootopia looks. It just looks fantastic, especially when uh, it was raining. Oh, and it looks it looks so... Like, if you took the animated characters out the the scenery looks so realistic it looks like it could just be photography zootopia itself like the city could be its own feature and i liked how the rainforest district tundra town uh sahara the sahara district it all nothing looked the same obviously but everything like fed into the other like i think i saw somewhere that the 
exhaust from the heaters that was heating Sahara Square was the snow for Tundra Town. Small things like that. It just It's really cool. It just worked so well. Huh. I just realized that we just did a musical compared to a non-musical and we're doing that again, but Aristocats and Hunchback will be a good musical comparison. Yes. What did you think about the music from Pocahontas? I love the music from Pocahontas. The score is fantastic. Alan, some of Alan Menken's best work. I've had Colors of the Wind stuck on my head for a week. And I'm not complaining. It's just been there. <laughs> and uh, whereas he usually writes with, you know, Tim Rice, uh, Howard Ashman before he passed away. Stephen Schwartz, I believe, did some of the music for Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. And he did music for Wicked. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, we like Wicked. Let's talk about some of the characters because we have, you know, the natural pairing of Judy Hobbs and Nick Wilde. And then we have on the other side, we have Pocahontas and John Smith. Who do you think is the better, like the more functional? Because I don't like the word better, even though that's the whole point of the podcast is which movie <laughs> is better. Let's, let's, let's go with that. Which is the better pairing? Which do you think is the better pairing? I, I kind of like your word functional. I think the more functional pairing is the foxes. They're certainly predisposed to... Well, she's a rabbit. Never mind. The Why was I thinking fox. she was a fox? It's a fox. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we've, got, we've got a white man who's supposed to be hunting savages. Uh, I use air quotes. And then we have a fox working with a bunny and that's supposed to be his prey i um, you see the parallel between that i just noticed that it's a good parallel yeah i i like the bunny fox i think they they work together i was uh well i kind of want to talk about the feminism in pocahontas go for it i mean pocahontas is she's she's kind of known for being not a wild child but a a one-off she's she doesn't follow the rules which you know most interesting female characters don't follow the rules and she's supposed to marry Cocoam that's right Cocoam oh yeah Cocoam um and her best friend's not gonna lie for and I thought it was a good play at feminism at a at a strong female role but I thought it was kind of weak compared to are stronger female characters today like judy because judy is like i'm not gonna i want to be a cop and it doesn't matter what right? you say no yeah, matter exactly. how no matter my she's size she's not gonna I'm let gonna anyone stand in her way and she's not gonna she's not gonna be told no and she's smart and she's gonna work and do as much as she can and so i i yeah i think i think it was a great beginning to that conversation i think Honestly, the focus is much more focused on the race aspect. So that makes a little bit of sense. Let's go ahead and dive into the race. For those of you who have seen Zootopia, you can tell that it's an allegory for what's going on in the country right now. I'm going to try and stay as apolitical about this as possible, but still get to a point. Clearly, predators are minorities. Or no, predators are the majority in Zootopia and prey make up 10%. It's obvious that no. it's... Flip that. It's flipped? Okay. It's flipped. Uh, so prey make up 90% and predators are the 10%. Mm-hmm. But the 10% aren't in... Like... Go ahead, Heather. Hello. Um, they're basically like, even though there's still, even though there's more prey or whatever the predators are more outspoken and they're strong stronger willed in a sense so they are more headstrong i guess and so they just kind of like go for it and they like do what they want because that's just in their nature or something and the prayer just kind of like oh okay like you can see that with the mayor and um Mm -hmm. his sister yeah like that's like the perfect yeah like that's like the perfect example of i'm assuming what is kind of going on just all around Zootopia, but it's kind of one of those, one of those things they don't talk about. That's an interesting thing um, to compare it to is 
extroverts versus introverts. Introverts aren't necessarily always quiet or always mm-hmm. or not planful in a way that extroverts may be outwardly planful. And, and I wasn't trying to like get like no, it, that no. kind of like thing wrong. And I, I think I know that no, one. <laughs> but I think I think that's an interesting call out. Is um, like the secretary is seem seems like this kind of unassuming passive person, and is not. So just a, it, I, I thought that was a good don't judge a book by its cover. Well, because she ends up being the thing. Spoilers. She ends up being the one Bad behind guy. it all anyway. She's so it's just like, oh. <laughs> I honestly thought it was going to be the mayor because it was J.K. Simmons. I'm like, it's J.K. Simmons. He's up to no good. Period. <laughs> Getting to that, Zootopia is just a straight up, if you take away the fact that it's a Disney movie, the fact that it's animals, it's a straight up good cop movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good yeah. like, cop drama. And I could really see that. I really want to see Zootopia as like a TV show. Law and order, that needs to be a thing. On the other side, we have, you know, we in Pocahontas, we have, you know, the race issue, too, between, you know, the the white people from England thinking the Native Americans are savage. They, they even call them dirty, shrieking oh, devils. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, I wish I'd written down... I think I did write down, but I don't have it in front of me. Some of the terrible slurs that were used, just, like, really blatant... Mm-hmm. Really blatant racism. Pocahontas came out in '95, so it wasn't really. Uh, I mean, it wasn't the the best of times, but it wasn't the worst of times either. Ha! Yeah, Dickens yeah. reference. I'm and I, I, I think it was to draw a point. I just think, I, I don't think you could get away with that now. I don't think Disney could get away with that now. And I mean, you had to be, you had to read into it with Zootopia to get it, but it wasn't like completely in your face. But if you went looking for it, it was there. That's that's another thing is, I mean, some of the slurs, I wish I had the list of slurs, but uh, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on those as a six-year-old um, or a four-year-old or an eight-year-old. But as a parent or as an adult, that's very different. And I'm not sure, I don't think now, there's a lot of hidden adult humor in modern-day Disney, but it frequently is sexual in nature and not racist in nature yeah it's kind of lean more i guess a different way-ish kind of yeah but as far as the i think zootopia honestly has a better plot i mean alluding to what i said about the cop thing it's 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 not three act structure it's it's really four because you get to the end and you realize you you see when the mayor gets locked up and you think oh story's about to wrap up nicely and you realize you know there's like 30 minutes left in the movie where are we going mm-hmm. and when we got to that point and i realized we weren't done yet it drew me in even more where are we going with this why aren't you know credits rolling yet and it, i love that about the movie but with pocahontas you know that everything's building up the tensions are building up to the battle between the native americans and the settlers as a moviegoer i'm i think this is it this is the this is the climax of the movie right there you know it's about to end yeah and with zootopia i wasn't ready to leave yet and when I thought it was about to happen, they gave me more. It's like when you think there's no more left to a meal, and then they wheel out dessert. It's that. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated dessert with Zootopia. Okay, so for Zootopia, I ranked Zootopia 58 because I hadn't seen it yet. And Tori ranked Zootopia um, at 8. For Pocahontas, Tori ranked it at 30, and I ranked it at 28. I feel like Zootopia is easily in my top 15. I don't know if it's going to make top 10 yet. I did these rankings after I had seen Zootopia for like a fifth time. So <laughs> I may have been a little high on Zootopia, but I would, <laughs> I would still rank it in top 20, top 15, stuff like that. Grace, who's your pick for the winner here? Pocahontas Zootopia. or Zootopia? Zootopia? Yeah. I agree. But Pocahontas gets bonus points for an amazing soundtrack like a really stellar really good soundtrack and singing mel gibson 
didn't, <laughs> we didn't really talk about the voice cast that much, but singing Mel Gibson. I totally yeah. forgot he was in there. <laughs> pre pre Batman Christian Bale, just so great. Yeah, our winner for this one is uh, Zootopia. Okay, let's go to our third matchup: Big Hero Six versus Dinosaur. So, Big Hero Six is a cute little story about friendship and adventure between a teenage boy named Hero and his blow-up super robot, Baymax. And Dinosaur is about an orphaned Iguanodon who is raised by lemurs, and then after a meteor shower destroys their home, they end up migrating towards to find a new home, and they run into a herd of other iguanodons who are looking for the nesting ground it's about basically their journey through perils and carnivores trying to find a new place to live so let's i watched dinosaur last night right after i watched the good dinosaur i had seen dinosaur again but i didn't remember how it went it had been long enough when did this come out 2010 dinosaur came out in 2000 Oh. Dinosaur came out 16 years ago. Yo. Okay. Um, it seemed really familiar to me. Um, but maybe that's why, because I probably haven't seen it in 15 years. I really liked it. I liked it. I liked... I thought it was pretty. Um, I liked the humor, although there wasn't anything terribly funny. It was. It was light. I haven't seen Dinosaur in several years, and... I believe Heather and I watched this together. The only yeah. parts that I remembered was the water scene where they were they got to the lake and the lake was dried up and the, the pressing the brachiosaurus foot into the the sand and getting water and and the beginning, the opening and then the water scene are the only things that I remember. And I only remember the beginning because that's the trailer. That whole scene is pretty much the trailer. Other than that, I remember nothing about this movie. And I was kind of disappointed because I look at the the opening and the opening is gorgeous. It's you know, at the time it's it epic. was yeah. it was envir- mm-hmm. it was environmental animation at its best. And then the rest of the movie and then they put dinosaurs in it. <laughs> and the dinosaurs just look like early CGI. Animatronics. I mean, it just kind of looks like, I'll say, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park look better than the dinosaurs in Dinosaur six years after Jurassic Park came out. If they made Dinosaur now, it would look like The Good Dinosaur, and it would probably be a better movie. Hmm. I feel like Dinosaur had potential, but technical limitations, and not that original of a plot did the the great journey again yes it's it's kind of like it's like the land before time it has a lot of land before i got a lot of land before time overtones for it yeah the visuals look fantastic until you see the dinosaurs walk by and now let's talk about big hero 6 which was amazing and again a whole city full of another another movie where the city itself could have been the movie. The feature. Yeah, because they did an amazing job on San Francisco. I saw Big Hero 6 two years, two years ago? When it came out. I, I saw it maybe a month after it came out, and it came out in November of uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It didn't wow me. It didn't wow me. I wasn't, like, floored by it. So I'm such a big fan of Pixar the earlier Pixar so I really love I love Monsters Inc and I love Finding Nemo and I love and The Incredibles and I was wanting something like that and it just wasn't holding up and I think we're getting to a point in, in Pixar development now where we've got the organization itself is bigger and I think one thing is they're not hyping, and maybe I'm just not seeing as many movies in theaters, which is probably true, but I think we're not getting as much marketing dedicated to Pixar releases. 
as we were initially, and there's also not as much lag time. We could expect to get one movie a year um, for the first 10 years or so. And now we're popping out to... Have we done a year with three yet, Tori? Do you know? I don't believe we have. Uh, Big Hero 6 came out in 2014, and the only thing that came out the same year as that is, I believe... Um, what movie came out that year? People are screaming at their players <laughs> now. Uh, Big Hero 6 is the only thing that came out in 2014. Big Hero 6 wasn't Pixar. It wasn't. It was Disney. And then the next yeah. thing that came out, I believe, was Inside Out. Inside Out. And I think, um, I think, I mean, obviously I still th- thought that this was Pixar. I think I thought it was initially. And so that kind of, that kind of influenced that. Yeah, I, I thought the comedy with the robot, with Baymax, was good. This kind of slapstick nature of it, um, the physical comedy was really, really well done um, and very funny. And I am not typically won over by physical comedy, but I thought it played really well in this instance. I liked Baymax's uh, his bits too, but a lot of his bits were in the trailer, which bothered me. Yeah. Kind of. The yeah. only thing that they held back was his fist bump. Blah, 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 blah. That's the only <laughs> thing that they held back in the from the movie. But I was excited for Big Hero 6 because, uh, as some people know, this Big Hero 6 is originally a Marvel property. No, this is not a Marvel movie. It's a Disney movie where they took characters from the comics and repurposed them for this story. Baymax in the comics is a robot that turns into a synthetic dragon. Mm-hmm. This is not that. <laughs> um, let's talk about the plot with Big Hero 6 because it's... I liked how my tears were jerked at the beginning with uh, the death of Tadashi. Mm-hmm. You meet Tadashi and then you lose Tadashi and Hero just... The whole movie is about Hero going through basically his stages of grief because, I mean, he loses Tadashi who gets him, who wants him to go to, you know, his school for robotics. Then it's it turns into a revenge plot as Fred narrates through the whole thing. It is a revenge story and then it becomes Hero... You know, trying to get justice, kind of. Or just mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, get over his grief in the right way. And I appreciated yeah. that about Big Hero 6. And it was so deep as a Disney movie at the time that it was about, you know, I did grief. appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, it was very, it was a very realistic, uh, relatable story um, from a human standpoint. And that's not, that's not always something we get from Disney. It's kind of when I feel like that's that's what kind of started the movement of like pretty real kids movies and stuff like that. Talking about that, uh, yeah, I think I think it's a good precursor to Inside Out. I will say that I loved you were talking about the robotics school. I loved all of the scenes in the lab. I thought that was such. I think I thought that was such a a cool environment to put a kid into, but also a great endorsement for college. I, I, I was a big fan of that. This movie is very pro-science. Yes. yes. Oh my god, yes. Except for Fred. Everybody in the school is smart. <laughs> no other way to say it. Everything is pro-science. It endorses going to school, you know, reading, math, the, the STEM, which is science, techno- technology, engineering, and mathematics. It's very pro-STEM. And it's a very good... It's, it's kind of like Interstellar. And where mm-hmm. Interstellar is is very where it pro makes space. that cool, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of the, the it's cool to be it's cool to go to school because you know you can make robots. This is what you do if you go to college. You can make robots. Even the women in the school are super smart. I've seen you you've probably seen the memes and stuff on Facebook about Honey Lemon's purse, all the <laughs> elements she's doing that stuff live. It's not any nothing is pre mixed. She's doing that on the fly. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. And Gogo is the the I can do anything. She's the World War Two. We can do it, girl. That is Rosie Go-Go. the Riveter. Yes, there you go. Rosie the Riveter. That's her name. That is Gogo in 2014. 
Okay, so for Big Hero 6, I had it ranked number 24, and Tori had Big Hero 6 ranked at number 12. Dinosaur, Tori had ranked at 41, and I had it at 45. How do you feel about where that landed? Dinosaur, I feel, is accurately ranked. I mean, mm-hmm. it's for, I, I already talked about my disappointment with it, but I feel like I'm more disappointed in my memory than the movie, maybe? I think Big Hero 6 is will still be top 20, because it's a great... it's a great It has a great message. Yeah. And I feel like the message in Big Hero 6 over dinosaurs... What? Don't leave... Not leaving people behind message mm-hmm. is stronger. I mean, I mm-hmm. can... If anybody has lost anybody, I feel like you can watch Big Hero 6 and understand what he was going through. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, except for that revenge aspect. Please don't... <laughs> yeah. Please don't, please don't get hella Don't go with that. Don't, yeah. don't turn you your friends school. into a murder squad. Yeah, go to yes. school. <laughs> hang out with friends. Go into science. Get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah, I feel like Dinosaur... Dinosaur might be end up being lower on my list in the long run. Um, I could see it getting into the 50s, but we'll see. I think Big Hero 6, I ranked it at 24. Hmm, maybe. I feel like it'll land there. Which one is, is your pick? Definitely Big Hero 6. Yeah, Big Hero 6 for sure. For our final matchup, we have the Aristocats versus the Hunchback of Notre Dame. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is based on the book by Victor Hugo about Quasimodo, who is the uh, son of a gypsy who is abandoned on the steps of Notre Dame and found by the judge Frollo. Frollo raises him and he becomes the bell ringer and the movie is about basically when uh, Quasi decides to go to the Festival of Fools and meets a gypsy named Esmeralda. Aristocats is a journey story. Woo. Um, These kittens get kidnapped by their butler who's trying to inherit his employer's money. And it's uh, the story of how those cats get back to Paris, back to their home in Paris, with the help of an alley cat who is voiced by... Phil Harris is his name. There you go. So good. Let's start right there. Phil Harris is the best part of this movie let me also say that the song that thomas o'malley sings i didn't figure this out until when i watched the movie that he's singing his name thomas o'malley's name full name is abraham de lacy giuseppe casey thomas o'malley why is his (laughs) name so long I never realized that he was singing names. I thought he was just saying random jazz-sounding words. He's trying to scat, but isn't really scatting. He's ac- it's yes. actually just his name. <laughs> I had no idea that was his full name. That's funny. I uh, rewatched Aristocats two nights ago, three nights ago, expecting to really, really like it, because I remembered really liking it, and Tyler remembered really, really liking it, and I was bored. I didn't find it all that interesting. There were only really like two songs. <laughs> I mean, there are more, but really there are only two. And they're fine songs. They're repetitive. They are a little jazzy. That's cute. I was disappointed. But yes, I was excited to hear Baloo and what else does he play? He was Little John in uh, Robin Hood. And if I hadn't watched robin hood the night before i wouldn't have caught that i watched it before i watched robin hood and was like oh my gosh that's little john and then i could already tell it was blue like you said about the music it's the music is the best part of the aristocats it's really the only thing that people remember about the aristocats everybody wants to be a cat that song that's really all i remembered about it (laughs) yeah and it's sad that that song shows up with like 20 minutes left in the movie so i didn't remember that that song happened so late well it happens at the very beginning doesn't it no it, it doesn't at the very beginning and no it doesn't happen at the very beginning i thought it happened at the very beginning and at the very end 
Well, let's talk about the plot for a second. It's basically uh, the butler Edgar hears his his widow, uh, not the widow, the his employer, Madame Adelaide, mm-hmm. talking about her will, and she it's hears basically hundred and one Dalmatians. No. <laughs> It's not, because those dogs get kidnapped because Cruella tries to make a coat out of them. Not the same. Those are different. So, like, a, like he hears that, like a true cat lady, his his employer decides to leave all of her money to her cats. Edgar decides, no, I'm not having that. I want this money now. So he ki- Edgar kidnaps the cats. And they get they get lost accidentally because the French countryside is bumpy apparently, and they're found by Thomas O'Malley, and they make their way back to Paris. Everybody wants to be a cat doesn't come in until O'Malley gets to his his pad. Scat Cat and the gang are just in his place because they're friends, mm-hmm. and then they sing. I remember that part in the movie because they were walking on rooftops. And the kids were tired. The kittens were tired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thomas O'Malley says, let's go to my place. And I said, great. All the kids are tired, so let's take them to a house party. Great parenting. <laughs> great parenting. <laughs> Made me, it upset me that, that was the, that's where the song came up. Because the movie's pretty forgettable after yeah. that. I forgot there were geese in it. I forgot about oh, the yeah. horse who hardly plays a part in it. And then the mouse that kind of tries to find them, he just yeah. goes away. He could have for... not existed. Yeah. I mean, he, or he could have just shown up at the end, which is the only time he was important. <laughs> so. Let's talk about Hunchback. Speaking of Hunchback, there's a, when the, when the kittens are kidnapped, Edgar drives by Notre Dame's cathedral. And I noticed that there was a shot at the very beginning, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is our... This is our Paris matchup. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Hunchback. I I love this movie. I was watching it at Tyler's house, and his sister commented on the gesture's voice at the very beginning. And man, it's so underrated, but he has some fantastic pipes. The music in uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame is stellar. And it's really, I think part of the reason I love it so much is because it's so dark. It's so dark and and minor and dissonant. And This is hands down the darkest Disney movie that we are going to talk about. Yeah. And really, I think, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a really dark villain who's really twisted and sick. I feel like uh, Quasimodo is probably one of my top three favorite characters. And Frollo is probably the creepiest. Oh, he's so creepy. He's like smelling her hair and just really, really an awful human. Just don't, don't be bad to people. Don't be mean to people. It's not mm-hmm. good. And if you're going to be, don't be a huge, like, religious figure. Right? <laughs> it just, it makes everything look bad. Yeah. <laughs> so stop it. <laughs> He is a second contender. We already talked about Scar's song. Be Prepared is up for best villain song. I think Frollo, Frollo's song is definitely up for best villain song as well. Also, he's burning all of Paris to find these gypsies. I feel like you, you just can't get away with that. But maybe you could. Maybe... He was really that bomb. He wanted Esmeralda so bad. He was so obsessed. The boy was was thirsty. thirsty. Yes. Yeah. Compared to Aristocats, the plot for Hunchback of Notre Dame is a lot more intricate and well executed. Quasimodo just wants to be, you know, a regular person, even though he's a hunchback, uh, which is clearly frowned upon in Paris for some reason. And... Frollo's deal is that he he lies to he lies to through his teeth to Quasi and just to keep him from you know being discovered even though he's part of his end game, which is to catch gypsies. Something I hadn't really considered until now is uh, the movie's entitled Hunchback of Notre Dame, but this it's almost as much about Frollo as it is about the Hunchback, and he is certainly a lead character. He's 
I, I think more important than the hunchback because he's willing to destroy everything to to really find these gypsies and and kind of abate his obsession. Yeah, because y'all talked about him being, like, hella creepy. <laughs> yeah, he's so creepy. Okay, so let's get into our rankings. I ranked Hunchback of Notre Dame as 14, and Tori ranked it as 16. Oh, all the way down here. Aristocats, 43 and 44. 43 for me and 44 for Tori. Wow, that's really close for both of us. Fairly representative, I think. Yeah, we're both feeling the same way about Aristocats. Yeah, I did not. Um, I expected to enjoy it more. I forgot how much I love Hunchback. It's so good. I'm really excited to see kind of how far that goes in our system. So we're both yay for Hunchback. Oh, yeah, definitely. Much better than the Aristocats. Sorry to all you cat fans out there. <laughs> I know I know somebody's going to write in and say, but the Aristocats has cats in it. Our contenders moving on to the next bracket. We have The Lion King, Zootopia, Big Hero 6, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Do you pretty much land where we expected? Oh, yeah. We called it. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, of course, some of these weren't as difficult. I expected Aristocats to show up a little bigger. And I expected to, like, bolt a little bit more, and I just didn't. That's fine. So, for our Drunken Disney segment, um, I mentioned this Disney. in... Disney! <laughs> I mentioned this in our episode zero, but every episode or two, we'll come up with a Disney drinking game as a throwback to our college years. So for this one, we're going to do a Hunchback from Notre Dame, and the rules are you have to drink every time they say Dies every time they sing Dies which alone should get you nice and toasty. Anytime Frollo's a bastard, or evil, or an asshole, or super creepy, or existing. And then I need one more. What? Uh, what's one more? Every time someone rings a bell, finish a drink. <laughs> Not <laughs> that's so many. No. Whether that be pulling a bell, or somebody gets hit by a bell. It seems like a lot of bells. We'll go with it. And if you get 15 minutes in and realize that there are too many bells, then you can just take a drink instead of finishing your drink. And you can make Tori drink more in the next drinking game. (sighs) (laughs) Okay, that's... I guess that's our episode for this week. Woo! Next week, our matchups will be Monsters, Inc. versus The Good Dinosaur, Robin Hood versus Frozen, Atlantis the Lost Empire versus Ratatouille, and Home on the Range versus Beauty and the Beast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney Versus. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Versus. It's spelled Disney VS. And uh, tune in next week. Disney.